Hello and welcome to Move the Line presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here as always by my friends Connor Allen and Sharp Clark, who I blame for uh, how I look right now. Although I, I did it to myself, I suppose. Uh, Clark, I'll start with you. I, you know, I want to get your reaction here. I went full on. So if folks are listening to the podcast, we appreciate it. Typically, we want to drive you to the YouTube page, but we appreciate the podcast people today because uh, I am paying off uh, a iteration of my Bengals Titans bet from week four, uh, where I have to wear a fedora. And my wife went ahead and, and bought this, Clark. I know this is not a full fedora. This feels like something in the fedora family. I'm also wearing my blue blocker glasses, so I'm trying to go full Clark here. Uh, how am I doing? I mean, this is more than I could have possibly imagined for for the punishment fulfillment. I'm so satisfied. Yeah, much deserved. And to your point, uh, it wasn't just that I lost the side. Uh, it was a 27-3 shellacking of my pro Bengals take, which uh, had some flop lag last week. Uh, Cardinals will do that to you, but they definitely came home and paid off the goods. Connor, you've been laughing nonstop since I, uh, since I popped up here. How are we doing? I mean, I think we've done this show, what, five, six years, and I don't think I've ever seen you wear anything outside of a backwards hat, a regular facing hat, or just nothing. And so glasses and uh i mean that looks more like a bucket hat like sun hat like something like my mom would wear to the pool like combo it doesn't even look like a fedora so it's i mean it's a great combo i'm probably gonna burst out laughing at some point during the episode but i'll, I'll try my best to make it through my head kind of hurts too like i said we've only had it on here for a solid three minutes and it's it's just resting weird and then the glasses too like this is why i, don't, I can't, i'm not a big sunglasses guy for the same reason like it kind of you know, I don't know. I'm glad I don't have to. I'm lucky. Um, old, but the vision is holding up. So, uh, but yeah, check out the podcast. If you're on YouTube, just hang it up, come back, check out the podcast. Uh, you don't need this for an hour in your life, but the three of us are going to be here uh, every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern on the 4 for 4 Bets YouTube channel. I can find the podcast in your feed on Wednesday evening. Subscribe to both so you don't miss a show. It's free content. Uh, support it. We appreciate that. It goes a long way in helping us uh, build all the tools, uh, all the things that we want to do over 4 for 4. It helps us quite a bit. Um, if you are listening and hanging out on YouTube, jump in the chat. Let us know what your favorite look here for week six is. A lot of movement on the board, a lot of news to unpack here. Injuries, as we typically see on Wednesdays as well. Um, don't forget to come back on Friday. We'll not be uh, wearing this attire. That'll be prop drop as Friday afternoons, 3 p.m. Eastern on the YouTube page here. Uh, that is myself, Connor, and John Highslop handing out prop winners for you every week um, on Friday. So also great time. It is discount season at 4 for 4. The betting subscription gets you access to all of our plays. So the three of us push out official plays to the subscribers through our Discord. Betting sub gets you access to the Discord and then literally everything else that 4 for 4 does. Um, rankings, tools, projections, articles, anything that we do. Um, you can use promo code WEEK6 to get 25% off of the already discounted price. So now that we're already in week six, we've already discounted it quite a bit. The additional 25% off takes you down quite a bit. So head over to 444.com slash plans, use the promo code week six, get that extra 25% off and then join us for the rest of the season. You know, fantasy might be going sideways for you. Um, things are not going the way you want it to. We start fresh zero and zero every week on the bet side. Um, so, you know, that's definitely the place to be. 44.com slash plants. All right, guys, lots of movement, lots of news, and we have some of those games here slated for this week. Um, but let's just jump right into it here. We will start with the Saints and Texans. Uh, Saints, make sure we haven't any movement here because the, the odd screen is 
on fire right now and popping up everywhere. It looks like we're still the same here. We have basically the Saints one and a half point favorites across the board. We have a total of 42 and a half. Uh, Clark, I'll let you get started with this one. Big bounce back win for the Saints in New England last week after a tough week four loss in the division to Tampa Bay uh, and a collapse in week three against Green Bay. I'm not really sure how much it was New Orleans. Those 34 zip, um, part of partially New England's ineptitude there. But again, resounding win. Uh, what are your thoughts here on Saints Texans? I'm a little surprised there hasn't been more interest in the Saints in the marketplace. I know that they're on the road here, but laying such a small number after a dominant win against the Patriots. I mean, like winning 34-0 in that fashion doesn't make a statement about how good your offense is, but just in every facet of the game, they dominated. And then meanwhile, Houston lost to an Atlanta team that you know isn't particularly good. I think the betters are having a hard time pricing the Saints because they've looked pretty decent for the most part outside of that collapse against Green Bay in which Derek Carr got hurt. Um, and then that game against Tampa Bay in which Derek Carr probably played hurt. Uh, but they also haven't really played anybody, right? I mean, they they, they played the Packers, the Bucks, uh, the Panthers, the, uh, you know, who do they? Oh, yeah, the Patriots who look terrible. I don't even know who the Patriots is. But they haven't had any statement wins that say, you know, this is a team that is contending. And so people are kind of like, looking for spots maybe to to kind of fade them and be like well they're not that good they can't be four and two they can't be five and two they can't be six and two but the thing is their schedule is so easy and their defense is so good that i think they can be um and in this game i think the texans are, are not in a good spot to succeed uh, we talked about this last week or or at least i wrote about it but teams that have bad receivers i mean not bad receivers but receivers that that aren't elite when playing against you know aggressive man defenses struggle in the passing game because when you're playing man defense, you're basically saying you need to beat us with your talent. And the Saints have said that to every team they've played, and most teams they've played don't have receiver talent. The Texans will likely be without Tank Dell, who didn't practice today with a concussion. Uh, so it's going to be Nico Collins, I guess. Um, I, I don't I don't see how the Texans have an explosive passing game in this one. I think it's going to be a struggle for the, Tex- for the Texans offense to get going. Um, and on the other side, Derek Carr is getting comfortable. He obviously showed he was healthy last week. He made some plays downfield. I like where this Saints offense is heading with the weapons that they have, getting Alvin Kamara back. This will probably be the best iteration of this offense. Um, and so I like laying the small number here with the Saints, even on the road. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised that that hasn't gotten up to three. Uh, we might see some move- movement later in the week, but but I like the Saints here. Yeah, Connor, I don't know if the people know what to make of either of these clubs in a way. I mean, I, like, so the Saints defense has been excellent. And basically any metric that you're looking at, they're basically top three, top five, success rate, EPA, uh, just net yards per pass attempt, yards per drive, points per drive, all of it. Um, to Clark's point, they haven't played anyone. Uh, so it's really, really hard to get a, a sense of, you know, who they are and how good are they. Now, they've typically under Dennis Allen have kind of been a team that's outperformed expectations defensively every year. And they are going to give C.J. Stroud a lot of single high man looks here. He's been really good against those this season when kept clean. And that would be the only thing that I would say that the Saints defense is below average at, at least to date, has been getting pressure on the quarterback. So that's kind of the, I think, the key to the handicap here is are the Texans able to continue to keep Stroud? Uh, upright and can he do it without Tank Dell? Because it seems like at this point we've pretty much seen you know you get concussed, uh, it's pretty much costing you the next week for the most part. It's hard for these guys to kind of get out of things. Um, so what are your thoughts here on uh, on Saints Texans? Yeah, my original take was kind of what Clark was saying 
uh, especially with how just aggressive man defense they play. Like, I feel like that's just kind of a Saints staple at this point. And how that meshes against the uh, against the Texans, I thought would be kind of disadvantageous. Now, I do think the Tank Dell injury is a big one because so far, C.J. Stroud and the Texans have actually been really good against man coverage. So C.J. Stroud completing 61% of his passes, averaging over nine yards per attempt right now against man defense, which is you know, remarkable. But again, a lot of that relies on having your full allotment of already pretty thin weapons uh, at this stage. And I think it was very, in hindsight, you know, very obvious that the Saints were able to dominate, you know, teams such as the Patriots who have like decrepit talent at a wide receiver. And, you know, like, again, like I can cover Devontae Parker. I mean, it's literally what a, what a joke. Oh, um, and, go. and so, um, and then, the, but the, they struggled against a team like Tampa Bay that has legitimately good, you know, wide receivers. Like there's, there, there's times like where, you know, I think there's that push and pull. And so where do the Texans fall in that? I think we've seen some interesting concepts from this offense that makes me think that maybe they can survive kind of some of the same, the same strong defense, but their running game hasn't been good enough. Like their offensive line is still not fully healthy. Like it's just like a lot of different ways here where if they're without Tank Dell, who's another one of their options, it's kind of just a stay away from me. Um, and not one where I'm willing to be like, okay, well I want, Houston money line here. And to be honest, like I'm still kind of getting my grasp on the Saints Saints offense. I think Clark made some great points specifically about them, but I don't feel, I guess, strong enough in my conviction to feel good about them either way, especially in the spot with the Sexton's defense that was playing really well and then let Desmond Ritter have like literally his best day of his career uh last week. Like, I mean, by far and away his best game in my opinion. So um, you know, like for me, that's kind of a, a tough, you know, easy thing to stay away from considering, you know, Lave, Michael Thomas, and all them can probably take advantage of that, if not more than what we saw uh, Desmond Ritter do. Yeah, it's it's all fair. I mean, especially, you know, making that last drive down to um, get another field goal, and that was part of it. They kicked too many field goals last week. If they can convert, and those are, you know, touchdowns, or even one more of those is touchdowns, it obviously changes the whole dynamic of that game, and our impressions of the Texans, I think, uh, and Falcons, I think, maybe are a little bit different. So, um you can't really settle for field goals on the road. Uh, and, you know, they were allowed the Falcons room to come back in that game. So I'm kind of with you guys. I want to see it a little bit. It was encouraging to see that Carr looked a little bit more like himself and not the version that we saw at home against the Bucks. So there's something there in terms of him coming around. Texans feel like an interesting teaser leg, if that's your thing here. At that price at one and a half, you were able to get through the three and the seven, if that's your thing, if you have any conviction that they can hang here. Um, but yeah, otherwise, it's kind of a, a stay away from me as of now. Um, interesting to see if Clark is right, if this continues to move uh, with uh, you know the pro Saints sentiment as the market you know kind of gets closer to three here. Uh, but Actually, hold on for now. I'm probably interested in playing alt spreads on the Saints. So. Okay. Uh, I'm not interested playing, in teaser leg, for sure. I'm not interested in teaser leg in the Texans because I think this is a situation where like, uh, you know, we saw the Texans defense get exposed by Desmond Ritter. We know we know the Saints can score on them if, if the Falcons can. Um, and so the if the if the Texans are unable, like everything's been going well for the Texans. I don't, I don't think C.J. Stroud has taken a sack in the last two weeks. And one thing that the Saints have done this year and historically is get a high sack rate per pressure. They're, they've never been a particularly good team at actually getting pressures, but they're good at turning those pressures into sacks. So I think if C.J. Stroud takes a couple sacks here, we can see a very different Texans offense and and things kind of snowball a little bit. Yeah, I think the pressure comes on to Carr because we saw what they were able to do last week. They they kind of bottled up Bijan Robinson, and I don't feel like at this point in his career, Alvin Kamara is a guy that's going to beat you with you know eighteen plus carries. He's going to have to be heavily involved in the passing game. Um, yeah, it's an interesting game. Um, I'm not making a hat bet on it. I'll tell you that much right now. But uh, you know, I I think that they're an interesting teaser leg. But uh, you know. We'll uh, have to wait and see. All right, this next one is very much uh, newsworthy. I think we were very interested to talk about it anyway. And now that we have some news, this is uh, 
changing dynamic here. We have San Francisco on the road in Cleveland, uh, another spot where the odds board is lighting up. We are basically there's some sevens out here now. Fanduel uh, still six and a half though juiced towards the seven. We are getting that way. Total thirty seven and a half on Fanduel. There are some thirty sevens in the market as well, uh, and there are multiple reasons here. It is an interesting total considering that the 49ers have scored themselves at least 30 in every game this season eight consecutive weeks dating back to the end of last regular season they just hung 42 albeit at home uh against one of the league's toughest defenses again situation a little different here on the road against the browns who are coming off of a bye in week five uh, though this is well, more than more than anything i think this is one of the many spots we look at the midwest and the east coast this week um, where we look to have early Dicey weather, uh, rain and wind in the forecast and a handful of spots. We know how this can be in Cleveland when we get into October, uh, November, December. Um, that's definitely something to monitor. And the other thing to monitor, which is a little concerning, I th- I was even this morning, we were like, hey, what's going on with Deshaun Watson? It seemed like last week or two weeks ago uh, in that Baltimore game, he had been medically cleared and like uh, Stefanski was like, he knows his body more than anyone and he didn't feel good. Now we're coming off of a bye. We thought we'd be okay, but whatever they had for practice walkthrough yesterday, he wasn't a part of. And now today it seems even more likely that there's something going on there. Um, and then they had made the statement that it's going to be PJ Walker uh, and not DTR. That did not go very well. Um, I don't have a ton of confidence in PJ Walker. Is that this should be drastically different? Although maybe it's, it. you know, to be fair, PJ Walker's at least made multiple starts in this league. Uh, DTR looks very, uh, underwhelming and unprepared to uh, to handle that. But again, interested to see what happened with this line movement. Clark, I'm going to start with you because we were talking a little bit before show. Like The seven to me still feels like people don't know what they want to do. We're moving through some key numbers. That still to me feels like a Watson number. Um, we kind of disagree on how high this could get to considering it's on the road with the team coming off a bye. But like, I don't know what to make. It's not – the Browns defense is good. We did lots of offseason shows. I was all over Brown's defense being good. It's not quite Saints easy schedule, but they've taken advantage of a really soft opening schedule of opponents as well. So like I do think that's partially to have to do with their inflated numbers defensively Um, because Lamar cooked them in week four before the bye and Lamar did not look very good. He looked okay last week. His teammates uh, dropped a lot of balls, but I don't know. A lot of things there, a lot of moving parts, Niners, Browns. What are your thoughts here? Well, first of all, P.J. Walker has not only made starts in this league, he made arguably the best throw of the entire season last year. Uh, when he when he hit D.J. Moore in the end zone for the, to, you know, I, I I don't know if they missed the extra point or something. That messed up. I had the money line on the Panthers in that game. I was pissed about something. Anyway, um, P.J. Walker can play. He's inconsistent. He'll make a lot of mistakes. He, he can throw it downfield, though. And I think the issue here is the weather, right? Like, the 49ers linebackers and defensive line are so good that you cannot just throw to the flat and expect to get six yards and, and you know, move the chains that way because they close so fast and so aggressively. And so when you have weather like you're going to have in Cleveland, probably it takes away some of those deep shots that, which is really the, the way you have to attack this 49ers defense. You have to stretch them out. If you're playing short and you're running a lot, they're going to get closer and closer and tighter and tighter. And so I do, I do have some skepticism about the 49ers offense against this, this Browns defense, but I just think they're going to have enough possessions, right? I mean, if the Browns are going three and out on almost every time they get the ball, eventually those drives for 49ers are going to start move, shifting the field, right? Like a balance. They get a short field, they score a touchdown. Now you're playing with a deficit and 
it's going to be really difficult for the Browns to come back from a deficit here. And so anytime you're laying under under seven, all it takes is a, is a touchdown for the 49ers to take that lead. And it's going to be really hard for them to let that go. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not particularly interested in playing the Browns at a lower number. If it gets high enough, you know, we'll see. We'll see who's playing quarterback. Um, but I, I I'm kind of like I don't want to get in front of the 49ers truck. I'm not I'm not jumping in front of that with eagerness. Um, this is probably a game I'm going to stay away from because there is a price. There is a price where the median outcome favors the Browns. I don't know what that number is. It might be nine, 10, um, but there is a number. I just don't know what it is. Connor, the Browns thought so much of PJ Walker last week that they gave DTR the start against the Ravens. Um, so like, I'm not super into, you know, PJ Walker being a, a massive difference maker highlight throw to, to DJ Moore aside. Uh, but the weather I do think is a massive piece of this. Uh, what are your thoughts on all the things that are going on here with San Francisco and uh, in Cleveland? I'm just disappointed that honestly we didn't get like a banged up Deshaun Watson for sure in this game because I think like five and a half, five, which is what it was sitting at where I played it when we were doing all of our prep for the show. You know, I had that and I would have pretty strong take it. Niners minus five and a half, Deshaun playing banged up, you know, in this spot here. Because beyond this, like I think you mentioned it with Cleveland's defense, is that I think they're definitely really good. They're probably a top five unit, but like to this point, they allowed Lamar complete 78.9% of his passes, 9.8 yards per attempt. Now they capitalized on a lot of turnovers from DTR, like short fields. Like that's how they really made the score look as bad as it is. But I think that this Niners team is significantly better than what we saw the, you know, that whole Ravens top to bottom basically there in my mind. So like, I think if we're looking at those two instances of like, that's the only team real team that they've played. I don't really think that they're going to be bottling up this Niners offense by any means, but I don't think that the Niners are going to be dropping like 40 on them like they have been all season. So I think that we're probably looking at, you know, a relatively high scoring outcome for them, you know, relative to most other teams in the league, but not for them. So we're talking about below average outcome for the Niners and then for the Browns here. I mean, it could be an absolute disaster with PJ Walker. I just don't think that given the weather, like you said, like if they're not able to stretch the field, if they're not able to take advantage of anything here, like we're, in a really bad spot, like a really, really bad spot for this Browns team. So I think if we're like, if we get more negative Deshaun news, like I would take a piece of the six and a half. I don't think it's moving back the other way. And even if it does, and we get Deshaun news that he's playing, I actually still feel fine about it. Like I think getting it under seven, even with Deshaun, I mean, I know that's not the number and I know it won't be the number if Deshaun's playing, but I'm saying that I still would feel good about it because I, that's where I would have the Niners closer to than, uh, you know, the Browns. So I don't know. I know that's a little bit of a contrarian take there, but that's just kind of a stand that I'm willing to take this week. Well, there's a great equalizer. Um, Clark, where do we go with PJ Walker as the starter? What's this number? Uh, definitely at least eight and a half. Um, I don't know that it touches 10. I think, I think if it touches 10, I think you'll see some buyback from, from betters that are interested in just taking the number, um, you know, low, very low total, bad weather, really good defense in, in Cleveland. There, there's a limit to how high this can get. Um, I think eight and a half, probably, if, if confirmed, P.J. Walker. Connor, what's your balking point on P.J. Walker? Is it eight and a half? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because of the weather. We have to clear the weather first. But yeah, I asked our group chat, FSM, and asked them, and they they all said like eight and a half. Don't think it would get to 10, too. So same kind of thing. Because if you think about, too, like the downgrade, like I think that's always an important point. Like the downgrade from Watson to P.J. Walker is, you know, through key numbers of like, you know, seven is like, probably like four points is very significant, like from five and a half to whatever, eight and a half, nine, nine, something like that. That's like a pretty massive move. So, you know, especially if he's banged up. So I, I think that that's about right. Honestly, if it touched 10, I mean, that would be, uh, it would definitely get a lot of buybacks. I don't think that it gets there, even though it is PJ Walker. I just don't think it gets there. 
might might see some teaser protection from books moving to nine to take away the six point teaser under the three. I don't know. That makes sense to me. I just I I get it. So we're a couple things here too. The other element is that we have market sentiment on the Niners is as high as it's it not necessarily as it is going to be, but as high as it can be right now. Right? They are to to do what they did in prime time. Um, you just you're seeing futures markets move in a way that's very pro 49ers. Like you want to be, I'm trying to be cognizant of that as well, knowing that like, Hey, I don't want to be, uh, you know, a victim of the moment here where we're caught up on everything that's pro Niners. They looked really damn good. Um, I do have questions about the stability of the Browns on both sides of the ball. You know, I just think his team without Nick Chubb is a totally different uh, ball club. And I think we just haven't had a lot of weeks of what that really looks like yet. So um, interesting game, interesting market to watch and see how that develops. Um, you know, news there more than anywhere this week seems to be pretty prominent because we are dancing around some key numbers and um, it's going to be hard to really get a feel for it until we get a better feel for the weather. And that's really hard to do on a Wednesday afternoon, but it doesn't look great really across the board in, in some of those uh, spots in the Midwest. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best views of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. All right, next, Seattle on the road in Cincinnati. Uh, opened Cincy minus two and a half. Those are mostly gone at this point. Let me confirm that that is still the case. Looks like Caesar still has it. Our friends here at FanDuel are at three. Um, yeah, it looks like there's a, a handful depending on where you're at. So shop around. That's an important key number there. Uh, total 45 and a half on FanDuel. There are 45s in the marketplace as well depending on what you're doing here. Seattle coming off of a bye in week five. Looked great against the Giants in prime time before the bye. Giants will do that to you. Um, Gino got dinged up a little bit in that one. Pete Carroll says he's fine. We're going to operate under that The uh, is the correct assumption here. Bengals took advantage of a soft opponent, Connor. Finally, a uh, week late for me, but it was an encouraging sign for them to at least show us a glimpse of the elite passing offense, uh, regardless of the opponents. Encouraging part, I think, was – not anything we saw on the, on the stat sheet. If you watch that game, Joe Burrow showed some mobility that we had not seen yet. Navigated the pocket in a very different way. Scrambled, bought more time. He even had a 10-yard scramble. Certainly not the guy that we saw in Tennessee the week prior. Again, I don't want to overrate one good game against the Cardinals. That is not the place to do it. Um, I think we need to be uh, convinced a little bit more that they are fully back, but it was good to see. Uh, this is going to be an interesting game here. What are your thoughts on Seattle and Cincinnati? Well, I'm going to give ourselves a little pat on the back because I think we we talked about the range of outcomes here with this Bengals offense against teams that don't blitz, they don't get pressure, and they kind of sit back. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, Joe Burrow dropped back a bunch and was barely pressured on any of his dropbacks. And against pressure, he still wasn't good. He completed like three of his five passes for eight yards. Against the other, in the other, whatever, 40 dropbacks or whatever it was, he completed like 80% of his passes and was just crushing it. And so I think that was very specific to the matchup there. So we saw the Titans two weeks ago do the exact opposite. They played, especially on third down, they played a bunch of man, they got a bunch of pressure and Joe Burrow turned into cupcake. He couldn't move. Now last week he could move a little bit more, but I don't, I don't think that he's like fully back. And so I think in this spot here, it's really interesting to see what Seattle does because Seattle 
contrary to basically what we saw from the Cardinals, seventh in pressure rate, middle of the pack in blitz rate, skew pretty massively zone heavy, but they're going to have everyone back. You know, Tariq Wollin will be back. Or is there uh, Devin Witherspoon's there? Jamal Adams is cleared concussion protocol. He'll be back. So, like, you have all of these factors here. Where I think the Seattle defense is, I think they're actually pretty good. They just haven't played been fully healthy yet. And so now at this point, like, you're getting this matchup. If, if they can get pressure on Burrow, uh, I think that Seattle here wins outright and wins by a good margin. Now, if they can't, that's the big question is that that's, I think, kind of the equalizer here because I think that if they can't get pressure, then – if Burrow's able to pick them apart, I think we're going to get a good game. Either way, I lead towards Seattle plus three. Um, and I think that in this spot too, the Cincinnati run defense has been really bad to start the season. Dead last in explosive run rate allowed, 28th in EPA per play, 20th in rushing success rate. And so I think that Seattle having that kind of edge as well as, you know, potentially you know, middling, you know, Cincinnati defense uh, in the secondary, like I think they'll be able to score. And now they have a, a, a chance and a possibility to, to like really, really, puts some pressure on Burrow. So if those things happen, I think Seattle wins by a lot. If not, I think that there's a good chance they cover. Um, but that's my take there. I'm, I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts. Yeah, I like some of the things that Connor said, Clark. I mean, Seattle, part of it is like the Giants game skews some of those metrics too, right? Where like their pressure rate stuff is is significantly higher than we expected. And part of it was they just were literally in the backfield all game against the Giants. But when you look, you look at like some individual players and they're like ESPN's pass rush, pass rush, win rate metric a lot of them are like in the top 15 or 20 which is very surprising again uh you know that game against the giants helped but the Bengals have been incredibly inefficient running the football and i don't know it feels like it's going to be another burrow centric game here um i'm not really quite sure what to say um hey sam the hat's throwing me off as well man i don't know what to do i can't look at myself i'm looking at you know notes and other stuff i can't look it's it's a joke um but uh Clark, what are your thoughts here in this matchup? I think it's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, definitely an interesting game. I might disagree on the Seattle defense. I'm not, I'm not sold, but we've only got four games sample size for them, and they've had injuries in the secondary kind of in and out throughout that time. But in those games, they were really bad on defense against the Rams. They were really bad on defense against the Lions. They were pretty bad against Andy Dalton and the Panthers. Um, and then they absolutely, you know, sculpted, F to the Giants. I don't know what I can say on this podcast. Um, 11 sacks, whatever. I, I, the Giants were missing three offensive linemen, and Daniel Jones just was so bad in that game. He had no time. And and how much of that do you attribute to the Seattle defense? How much of that do you attribute to a Giants team that hasn't really shown up on offense in any game except one half? Um, so I'm not convinced the Seattle defense is good. Um, I think they're probably about average. The Bengals defense hasn't been good at all. Last year, they were run by their defense. And this year, their defense has been playing poorly every week, basically. So even if Joe Burrow is better, which he is, I mean, he not only was he moving around and scrambling, but he was driving his throws in a way that he hadn't been this year. So every aspect of his game looked great against the Cardinals. And that's not that's not just a product of bad defense. Like his phys- physically as a thrower and mover just looked better. Um, so I think that does continue. So that would lead me to be interested in the over here because I think both offenses can be successful. But uh, what's keeping me off the, the the bed is the is the potential weather impact in Cincinnati. Uh, I want to I want to be I don't want to be betting into an over and then you know come come kick off its thirty mile an hour winds and rain and like you know it has no shot right. So I want to I want to be able to react to the weather situation. But fundamentally, matchup wise, um, I like the over and I think you know betters 
should be able to get either Seattle plus three or Bengals minus two and a half if they want the spread because it's bouncing back and forth. You may have to pay a little bit of juice, but you can play whichever side of this game you want. And forced to play one of those two options, I would lean Bengals minus two and a half um, because I think Joe Burrow can get the job done here at home. Um, and laying under a field goal is, is you know, oftentimes a, a question of who wins the game. Yeah, good points there. The, some of the stuff too, like we need to see we need to see the health the injury report. I think Seattle's getting healthier coming off the bye, but um, you know, we need to see some of that stuff and like who's playing slot corner and some of that stuff. Like Artie Burns was out, but Artie Burns has been cooked all season. So him being back, I don't know if that makes a ton of sense. There's some stuff on Seattle's defense that makes me a little nervous. You can sell me on like regression being a part of it, but they, you know, they're middle of the pack of basically every metric defensively really struggled on late downs. They've allowed opponents to convert a first down on 52.4% of their third down snaps, like third or yeah, second highest in the league. It's really bad. Only the bears are worse on third down on like red zone snaps. Um, teams have had seven of eight red zone trips this season and in a touchdown against the saints. I mean, against the uh, Seahawks. So again, you can tell me that like, that's going to regress. It probably will. Um, it's not going to continue at like an 83% clip, but at the same time, like, and you got to be able to get off the field when it matters. You got to be able to stop teams when they get in the red zone. That's been a problem for them this year. So that's why I think some of the like awesome stats for their defense makes me a little bit nervous to really believe that's who they are. Other than their run defense, I do think their run defense is strong. So yeah, it's it's definitely something that uh, I want to see where the the weather is and get a better feel for where we are around the two and a half or three. But it's going to be an interesting football game, and I think going to tell us a little bit about these teams moving forward and that partly partially is what we're looking to do here in week six is get a better feel for who these teams are as the sample size grows i think we also need to keep an eye on t higgins because he's probably not going to play but it's not ruled out and you know when you're they didn't really go to tyler boyd as much in his place they went to what trent Irwin or whatever Trent Irwin, yeah um so i think higgins makes a big difference too for this game uh to keep an eye on that do we do we want a quick uh quick weather primer right here yeah this is a weather week you know this is like a yeah, the weather week we got we got uh one two three four five six seven games with potential wins that might matter so just all right i'll make this spiel a little quick here so based on our research at four for four we what broke down when wind matters and when rain matters when snow matters so wind starts to matter at 15 miles per hour you see quarterbacks yards per attempt drop by about like a quarter which is not a ton but then at 20 miles per hour it drops by over a full yard, uh, yard per attempt at 20 mile per hour, sustained winds, not just gusts, sustained winds. Broncos and Chiefs on Thursday, looks like we're getting like 20-ish mile per hour winds, gusts up to 30, so wind could definitely matter there. But again, like these forecasts are not very good. You need to check in on the day of. Like that's the issue is that, like Clark gave a major caveat there. It was like, but check for the weather because, I mean, there's sometimes where even like, you know, hurricanes will be coming in and we're projecting 40 mile per hour winds. You get there and there's eight mile per hour winds. Your handicap is totally, you know, duffed. So, this week, six games, Broncos, Kansas City, uh, Washington, Ad- Atlanta. Is that uh, indoors? It looks like it could be indoors. Yeah, okay. So then there are five games. Chicago, Minnesota, uh, Cincinnati, Seattle, Browns, and Niners potentially, as well as Houston. Again, New Orleans, another dome game. So, yeah, look at that. Uh, Tampa Bay and Detroit. So those are the games that you might need to pay attention to. Rain doesn't really matter unless it's like a hurricane. Snow doesn't really matter unless it's like an absolute downpour. So don't really even factor that in. All right. All right. In case it, you know, rain's here, I'm ready to go. Got this new, you know, <laughs> rain chapeau ready to go. This would just filter everything. What around. did they call that? What did they call that on Amazon? I don't know, man. I don't. What I'm did Ashley buy? It, you? T- taking it back. 
Can you return it? I mean, I guess you can probably. Really. Connor. Uh, <laughs> Price tag staying on this bad boy. We're Love here it. for the bet. <clears throat> We're paying it off. You know, um, my son is up. So <clears throat> it's going to get dicey here in a minute. But um, yeah, we we paid off the bets. And, uh, you know, Clark Clark took my uh, my lunch money on uh, on Titans and, and Bengals the other day. So here we are. If you're just joining the show and seeing this, this uh, it's it's tough to look at, guys. All right. <clears throat> we'll keep it moving here. Lions in Tampa Bay uh in florida so i don't know again if they're going to be a uh, victim of the uh the weather issues here again we are outdoors tampa bay uh all coming off a of buy this is detroit minus three trending towards three and a half in some spots too uh shot the total here as well if you have a lean sitting around some key numbers uh fanduel 43 and a half there are 44s out there as well um, and big injury news to monitor on both sides here first the bucks um mostly healthy coming out of the buy especially on the defensive side they're getting mostly everyone back Mike Evans is a problem, though. Mike Evans uh, tweaked his hammy in that week four game against the Bucs. Uh, I'm sorry, against the Saints. And has not been a part of practice so far this week. Uh, so as of Wednesday, uh, was not spotted at practice. That's a problem. He's been really good for the Bucs this year. And I think a big part of what they've been doing. Lion side injuries as well. Amon Ra uh, looked close to playing maybe the other day. Um, looks like he's trending in the right direction. We need to see Brian Branch's status as well. Um, I'm assuming Amaragos, we don't know about Brian Branch, but, um, yeah, I don't want to make a ton about what we saw with the Lions just absolutely clubbing the Panthers at home. Um, yeah, but what are your thoughts here, Connor? Let you get started with the, uh, Lions and Bucks. Yeah, I think this one is a tough one to break down here. I personally, we talked about it with their, their last game against Philly and we were looking for a spot to fade the Bucks and it turns out, uh, you know, that might've been it. And so, you know, I think in that spot there, that would, that was a good one, but, here, I lean towards Detroit a little bit. I think the Bucks defense is solid, but uh, you know, I think their their metrics might tell a unique story. You know, they're they're eighth in pass CPA allowed, but they allowed seven point eight yards per attempt to uh, Kirk Cousins. They allowed seven and a half to Jalen Hurts. But a lot of the, and a lot of their strength and like EPA basically has come from the red zone where they've been elite so far. They're allowing just like I think it's three points per red zone visit, which is like literally they're like not allowing any touchdowns there. So it's it's pretty crazy um, overall. So I think that. Maybe that's a strength. Maybe that's a skill, you know, not stop or allowing teams not to score in the red zone there specifically. But at the same time, it seems like that's probably going to regress a little bit here. Um, but again, for Detroit, Amon Ross St. Brown, I think looks like he's going to play a little bit banged up. David Montgomery probably going to play again. And then uh, Jameer Gibbs is still out. But uh, honestly, he hasn't really mattered for them all that much, to be entirely frank here. So I think in this spot here, I think I would lean towards Detroit at minus three. Again, just looking for ways to fade the Bucks because I'm just not fully sold on them uh even though they have had some great games and honestly have looked good at certain times uh i think i'm just this is another good spot here because i think this detroit team is at this point uh almost fully legit clark what are your thoughts on this one this spread has me a little confused uh, like i don't know who's betting the bucks here i mean it's it's lions minus three granted you have to pay extra for the three um but like my numbers suggest the this, this spread should be higher you know, the metrics suggest the spread should be higher. Public sentiment just, you know, is super high in the Lions. Uh, I, I don't really know where the Bucks' love is coming from. Like, they haven't been that good this year. Um, so so I'm, I'm a little bit confused. And, and in those spots, I, I tend to hesitate because, you know, it's possible. Like, there must be something I'm missing. Uh, that's kind of what I'm left with. Um, the spread makes no sense. We'll see, we'll see where it goes as the week goes on and we get more clarity on the injuries. But, you know, maybe, maybe the Bucks. Uh, blitz 
is enough to kind of disrupt what the Lions want to do on offense. But I kind of feel like, you know, even that might go the other way because the way the Lions offense is set up is to capitalize on opponent weaknesses. So if the Bucks are being overly aggressive, the Lions have the right tools to kind of capitalize on that. We saw that um, last year. I can't remember if it was the Packers or the Lions or the Jets game, but the Lions, you know, there was a blitz and the Lions responded with like just the right pass to the tight end on the left and it was a 50-yard touchdown and it broke the game open. And and that's the kind of stuff that Ben Johnson does week to week. So, you know, can can Baker Mayfield perform at a high level against what is one of the best defenses in the league metrically? Uh, granted, they lost Mosley at cornerback now for the season. Uh, he's, at, you know, adding to the injury report that already had C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He played two snaps, though. He came, poor guy, came in after missing yeah. the whole season, plays two snaps and blows his ACL. So they've been all right without him. Yeah, but, but he was, you know, it, it's like he was going to step up and, sure. and you know, Brian Branch has been out, so their secondary is already banged up. Um, you know, I, I don't really see any reason to back Tampa Bay here other than, uh, you know, home team, like maybe weather impacts Detroit more than it impacts Tampa Bay. Like Jared Goff has performed poorly in, in the elements. Maybe that's just keeping the spread down. It's it's a legitimate angle. Um, but this may be one that I just kind of let happen and, and find out afterwards and be like, wow, like I just I missed something there. So. I didn't even say anything when I teed it off to you because I thought you were coming in with some pro bucks thoughts. Um, no, can't, can't get there. Okay. Yeah. Connor, we typically don't want Jared Goff in his baby hands when it's cold out. I don't know that we're super worried about that being, you know, the case in, in Tampa Bay at this time of year, but um, yeah, I mean, look, I still want to have a Tampa Bay fade. Um, I'm not really buying some of the like late, late down magic of Baker really don't like it here if Mike Evans isn't a part of it. So like if you like the lions, I think now is the time that this only probably goes the other way, probably becomes more pro lion stuff. And if we get more actual bad news on Mike Evans, this floats to four, four and a half pretty quickly. I would think um, because still what the lions want to do is run the ball. Tampa Bay really bad in the trenches on both sides. They are dead last in run stop win rate they're dead last in um you know protecting their quarterback and moving the line like it's just it's not a good uh not a good team in the trenches and i still think that's going to show up to matter at some point this season even though they're starting to get healthy on the defensive side so uh, pro lions for me i like the threes if you can still find them you want to hear something crazy so baker right now according to pff is actually the best quarterback in the league under pressure right now he's like completing like 65 percent of his passes is like no interceptions, a bunch of touchdowns, like averaging like a good yards per attempt. I, I don't know where it's coming from or like those plays specifically that he's been like under pressure on because I think that under pressure is a pretty loose term to be thrown around. Like was a guy, you know, in his face, was he left or the right, you know, whatever. So, but I mean, just still like over the sample of it, I mean, it's like a lot of dropbacks. It's not like one game at this point. It's like, you know, multiple weeks. So I don't know. I thought that was pretty wild. We just have a multiple year sample of him being just absolutely atrocious in that same scenario. So it's, it's hard to know what to make of that. So yeah, I want to be in on that. And uh, again, looks like for the most part, we still have, uh, you know, threes out there, you know, FanDuel it's minus minus one twenty. You're paying for it a little bit. Um, there are some shorter prices as some other spots have already moved out to three and a half. All right. Uh, last we have the Monday nighter with Dallas on the road. In LA against the Chargers, Dallas, a two and a half point favorite here still. Yeah, two and a half. There are some twos in the market as well. Uh, total hovering around key numbers. So shop there too. FanDuel 50 and a half. There are 51s on the board as well. Again, another spot where injuries make a pretty massive impact on the handicap here. Chargers coming off a bye. 
They're likely getting Austin Eckler back. Uh, defensively, before the bye, they were without Joey Bosa and both starting safeties. Um, I think their status matters quite a bit here. Um, what we're going to see moving forward with them. Dallas likely out um, without Leighton Vander Esch. Kind of jammed his neck late in that game. He's probably going on the IR. That hasn't happened yet officially. Um, de facto home game here, Connor, for the for the Cowboys. I mean, a Monday night travel spot in L.A. with the Chargers, who just don't have a strong home field advantage anyway. Um, I think that's probably baked into the line here a little bit. But interesting to hear your thoughts. The Chargers are a team that you, know, you like quite a bit. I believe was your AFC Super Bowl team. Hanging into the season, they're a two-and-a-half-point home dog here in week six. Yeah, I don't know. Call me call me crazy, but I kind of like the Chargers' money line here uh, at home. You know, I think that in this spot, though, I a little I worry a little bit, though, about, you know, kind of with, like, the whole Kellen Moore thing. And I think that it kind of, like, the familiarity, in my opinion, generally usually hurts the offense. Uh, at least we see that in, at least in NFL games and divisional games, like repeats. Like, there used to be a trend towards unders of uh you know the second game in a divisional matchup you see that like there's uh it was like a historically higher hit rate i think that was like for i don't know five ten years in a row or something like that now again the trend that trend may not matter maybe kellen moore's innovated enough that it won't matter here but i think in this spot um with the chargers they're capable very capable of beating this dallas defense um and so overall like scheme wise we saw shanahan kind of talk about it in the offseason and then execute it last week where they run these plays to set up even though they're like dead plays to set up other looks. So like they ran the ball largely very ineffectively, actually, to be honest, which is what I thought they were going to do well, but then it set up the passing game to, you know, 10 yards per attempt from Brock Purdy. And, and so like, I think that if Kellen Moore has that same kind of attitude, I think that it can work. But the issue is that Kellen Moore and Cal Shannon's offenses are almost like entirely different. Like they're like, they, they don't operate the same. They don't like line up the same. They don't leverage a lot of the same concepts. So it's kind of, that's kind of my issues in terms of the similarities there. But I do think this Cowboys defense overall is a little bit overrated. And I, I mean, the uh, Cowboys defense is, is rough, but I, I still haven't seen enough or not the Cowboys, the Chargers defense is rough, but I haven't seen enough from the Cowboys offense to really think that they are able to, you know, emphasize this edge here. Um, I think that they've been too inconsistent. So I don't know. It's not a super strong take, but Maybe I'm just like fading the Cowboys that, I, that I've been wanting to. And it's kind of more of a, you know, subjective take here. But I, I'm interested in fading him. Interesting. Clark, what are your thoughts on this one? This should be a good game. I'm excited to watch it. Um, I, it's kind of a crucial game for my futures positions, although I'm going to be screwed one way or another because my two biggest positions, I think, are Cowboys division and charges win total over are two of my biggest positions. Um, so one of them is not going to look good coming out of this game. But um I, you know, on the look, I'm, I'm surprised there wasn't more movement on this, right? The look ahead was two and a half, uh, you know, Cowboys minus two and a half. And I, I get that look aheads are not particularly efficient, but after the clobbering that the Cowboys took on, on Sunday night to open minus two and, and there's two and a half still on the board, um, it's a little bit surprising, you know, the charges are on by, so it's not, it's not a downgrade, uh, for the chargers. Uh, maybe, you know, Justin Herbert's hand injury is going to impact the game. I'm not sure. I don't think they're expecting it to. They might get Austin Eckler back. They should get Austin Eckler back um, after the bye. And that, that's a dynamic of their offense that they really need. So, so I'm a little bit surprised by the two and a half for the Cowboys. Uh, but the problem is I was expecting to like the Cowboys. On the look ahead, I, I had it, you know, Dallas minus four. So I was expecting, okay, if this opens under a field goal, then great. But the problem is, my numbers changed after watching that game against the 49ers. I did downgrade the Cowboys and now I'm right on market at two and a half. So I'm, I'm a little bit, I, I don't know if the, the, maybe the look ahead market was more efficient <laughs> that they knew. They knew the Cowboys were frauds and we're going to get exposed by the Niners. I don't know. Um, 
but I think this line's about right. Uh, the Chargers miss Mike Williams in a game like this where the Cowboys played man defense. Um, you have to have guys that win. Keenan Allen can win, but he's getting up there. Like he can run some routes and I'm sure he'll get his, but the Chargers need another downfield threat. I don't, I don't know if Quentin Johnson's going to be that. I don't know if Josh Palmer is going to be that maybe a tight end, but they need a second option. Uh, and if one doesn't emerge, then I think they're going to be struggling all year. It's going to be Herbert trying to make miracle plays week after week. And against a defense like the Cowboys playing very pissed off after that game, um, you know, the edge probably goes to Dallas. I'm not interested in betting them though. I, I think another way you can play this game is to tease the chargers up. Um, I think anytime you're getting points at, with a home underdog, with a quarterback of Justin Herbert's caliber, uh, it's a good teaser leg because the game scripts that lend, lend themselves to a Cowboys blowout, like Justin Herbert is playing aggressively in comeback mode and typically quarterbacks like that will score points. So I think there's a good chance that the, the Chargers teaser like hits uh, if you can find something to pair it with. Hopefully not the Texans after what I talked about. <laughs> that was the other note I had here is I thought that was an interesting uh, teaser like for sure. So, yeah, I mean, a good time for the buy for them to, you know, see if they can acclimate Quentin Johnston in a different way or see what they can get out of him. Um, you know, typically don't like to have a buy that early in the season, but it seems like for that team, considering the injuries that had happened, cluster injuries on the defensive side, um, and it's just an annual tradition, unfortunately, for the Chargers is to see cluster injuries on both sides of the ball. But hopefully they can build off of that in the buy and see what uh, they can make of it. But, yeah, I do think it's an interesting teaser leg. As it stands, I think it's uh, a number that would I uh, want to stay away from. But total you could sell me on um, a little bit, depending on the injuries uh, to the Chargers defense. But, uh, you know, again, I want to see where that kind of settles here a little bit. Uh, any other notes for uh, week six that you guys like? Anything else on the board that you want to talk about? Totals, uh, games that we didn't highlight? Uh, Connor, I'll start with you. I think Bears, Vikings over is interesting. I know that that sounds gross without Justin Jefferson, but um, I was digging into Justin Fields' numbers, Justin Fields' numbers against the Blitz, and they're actually pretty good. Um, like he's averaging like, I think it's like seven and a half, eight yards per attempt, something like that against the blitz. And he's actually been good. It's just when they get pressure, he's not very good. So, but I think that that's actually okay because Minnesota blitzes a shitload and they don't get pressure all the time. They do get some pressure, but they don't get pressure enough of considering how much they blitz. So I think that's interesting. He's kind of finding stride a little bit, playing more just like who he is. Like, I, I don't think he's ever going to be the quarterback that they had hoped he's going to be. I don't think he's ever going to be like their franchise guy, but I think he's good enough to be fun and score some points time time against defenses who are really not all that good i think minnesota qualifies there and then the bears defense I, I get you don't have justin jefferson but i think they'll be totally fine with Hawkinson, addison you know osborne powell i mean they'll be totally fine there so i think we'll probably see a decent amount of scoring here um i don't know we're seeing 44 and a half in the total so i think the over there is an interesting look i know it's gross but i'm kind of into it sorry hey, gross ones win too uh, whether we also wait and see what happens, I think is important there. Uh, Clark, what do you like? Anything else on the board in week six for you? Yeah, I haven't played too much yet this week with, with all the weather concerns. It just, you know, I, I don't love like I'll, I'll typically play some private stuff just to kind of like play the weather angles and play back as necessary and that kind of stuff. But but I only like to release plays when it's, you know, something I'm confident I'm going to like at close. So it's been a, a lighter week, but I do like the Broncos on Thursday night, which <laughs> is super <laughs> ugly. Uh, That's a pushback from that one in the discord for sure. I did. I did. They're getting 10 and a half. Um, and, and I, and I get it right. Like the, the Broncos haven't looked good, uh, especially defensively, but I've talked about this before, you know, when you're talking about how a really good offense matches up against a really bad defense, 
there's a limit to how good the offense can be. And, and the things that end up limiting the offensive performance are things like drops and, you know, you know, things that could go either way. Right. And when you throw in the idea that there might be 20 mile an hour winds um, and a little bit of rain in the game, I think the idea that the total comes down and that's that 10 and a half just becomes, you know, more important than it is now. Um, I also think there's a, a chance Travis Kelsey doesn't play. Like it, it wasn't like, I know he came back in the game and finished the game, but this week of practice has been tough. Even if he plays, you know, is, is he going to be hundred percent? Is he going to play hundred percent of the snaps? Uh, is he going to be able to beat um, Patrick Sertan, who's done a pretty good job when he's been able to get on to Kelsey, like in previous matchups, Kelsey hasn't really been a smash play against the Broncos in the past. Um, and this year, unlike in previous years, I don't think the chiefs have really a good second option. So I think the offense is maybe not going to score every drive the way people would project <laughs> in this matchup. And Russell Wilson and the offense has been playing better than people give them credit for. Like, the the Jets defense is really tough, especially for quarterback like Russell Wilson. Um, so I'm not I'm not ready to to throw the towel in on the Broncos. I don't really I don't really pay attention to stuff like you know oh well Sh- Sean Payton like got pissed at Russell Wilson at the end of the game. There's dysfunction. They're gonna like they're a professional football team. They'll figure it out. Like I've been impressed with how little they've been showing publicly in Denver this year. Like Russell Wilson's keeping things you know tighter, and I'm I'm just optimistic that this spread is, is too big, basically. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't play it at 10, but getting the hook. Uh, getting the hook right. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I do not have a stomach for those bets, but I appreciate that you do. And uh, I understand the backdoor process for it, for sure. Uh, the, the last time, sorry, the last time that did. anyone got uh, that much shit in the Discord was Noonan's People's Parlay, and it hit. So uh, that's a good sign. I mean, that's a great sign. Yeah, yeah, I got a lot of shit. I, I got some support too. People are like, I'm not going to play it, but I hope you win. <laughs> yeah. People's parlay this week. There are some big boys on the board. Uh, just it's hard. You'd have to add so many legs to get it down to like, you know, even minus 120 that it gets, uh, it's even a little rich for me because you, know, you look at like the Bills, Dolphins, and, and Chiefs, and you're still like laying minus 205 or something crazy like that. So just uh, not a great week for the People's parlay. Um, the Patriots. Um, should they be involved in a game with a total that starts with a four? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Especially with Josh McDaniels on the other side, who just refuses to like beat anyone by margin in his entire career. The offensively, like he gets really tight late in games. They kick field goals. They're conservative. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Pats are in rough, rough shape. Um, you know, I don't want to make, if it was the two and a half, I have to sit here and make a case for new England being an interesting teaser leg, uh, because the just Raiders are not able to beat anyone, um, by, you know, double digits, but man, like everything on new England, the only thing that I would say coming in, I was like, Hey, the Patriots defense is going to be solid. <laughs> Matthew Judon is out. Um, Christian Gonzalez has been awesome. He's out. Um, Jawan Bentley hurt his knee late in the game um, against the Saints. He might be out. Like basically anyone that was getting like legit reps that matters on that defense is also suddenly out. And it's it's bad, bad, bad there. Um, but again, like the Raiders aren't a, a team that I feel great about either. So um, that total still feels a little high for me. Um, but again, you know, 41 and a half. I, gosh, the key numbers were kind of right there. But again, I just feel like it should probably be 30 something and it's not. I wish I would have jumped in early on the Rams and Cardinals number. That was 46 Sunday night when it came back out. It was floated back up. Um, good luck that Clark took advantage of. Um, yeah, I like that one quite a bit. But those are some of the 
preferred ones on the board. I'm going to go back to the well on uh, anti-Titans. Titans team total under uh, 17 and a half, I think, is uh, interesting to me this week. The I've been really impressed. I need to eat some crow on the uh, Ravens defense. They've been, especially like the past defense with injuries, past defense has been really good. Um, so that was definitely a piece of my anti, let's say anti-Ravens handicap, and my concerns about the Ravens coming into the season was their their past defense, and it's been pretty fantastic. So um, I think the Titans struggled to, to put up a ton of points in that one as well. So, yeah, those are some of the other looks that I like here for week six. Are the Patriots favored in a game the rest of the season, you think? Mm. Schedule's brutal. So off the top of my head, I mean, I mean, they do play the Jets at home. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is almost back. So... Um, <laughs> He's got that voodoo magic, whatever he's doing, uh, yeah. to be the fastest person in history to recover from an Achilles. To be fair, though, honestly, one legged Rodgers, I think, would be probably better than Zach Wilson. Um, but they they do get the Bills twice, the Dolphins and the Chargers and the Chiefs. Um, I mean, that's just like five auto L's. I mean, it's just, just like tell me when I can catch top. my under seven and a half wins ticket. I think I think now, honestly, like that's what I'm holding well, a lot of. You're so too. good. You're so I'll write, good. I'll write the book. I'll be like, hey, it's time to yeah. You're Can absolutely. I borrow against my Patriots seven and a half tickets? It's time to invest in something else. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're fine there. Uh, I would love to see them completely bottom out, uh, but I I don't I don't know. I, I got some some Pat's worst record twenty to one baby. Just got to get them to beat out uh, the Panthers and the Bears and the Cardinals. But honestly, they they're close. I would love it. I would love for you to catch that bet. Uh, that'd be fantastic. Just hit the reset button and uh, figure some stuff out. Uh, yeah, they, that'd be great. Just get in the top five uh, in the draft. Uh, I would love to see that. It'd be fantastic. So, yeah. all right. I take this stupid hat off now. Are we done? <laughs> good? Yep, it's time. Congrats to Clark. Uh, again, uh, he uh, was on the right side of that one. Uh, my Bengals love was uh, was misplaced for a week, but I'm uh, – and now I'm, I'm tiptoeing back in. I don't want to go full in because I kind of like Seattle this week too. So I appreciate your dedication and ownership of the bet. <laughs> Again, I want to pay it off. I couldn't find one. I looked on Amazon because I forgot that I hadn't bought one again. Amazon said delivery today. I couldn't risk, you know, 7 p.m. delivery. So I turned it over to my wife. This is what we get. Uh, but I feel like it pays off the bet and more. So hope it was you'll get me back. Through. Yeah. We'll find another one. All right, good stuff as always. Thanks for hanging out with us. Again, 44.com slash plans. Use the promo code week six. Take advantage of the 25% discounts to get the betting subscription. You get all of our official plays and everything we do at 444. Come back to the 444 Bets YouTube channel on Friday at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. It'll be Connor, myself, and High Slop for props. Uh, we have those two shows every week, podcast form, wherever you listen as well. We appreciate you guys. So for Clark and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you all next time. Thanks, everybody.